God, we thank you that you are powerful, that you are the King of kings. God, we thank you for your salvation, which changes everything for us. God, I thank you that we are no longer held back by our sin, by our shame and our guilt, because you have paid for all of that. You've dealt with it. It's gone. And we are free. We stand before you this morning, God. We are free from everything in our past and everything in our future because you've dealt with all of it. God, we thank you for the words in these songs that we've been singing to you this morning, God, because they are so true and they do change everything for us. God, we are so grateful for the love that you pour out into our lives every day. God, we thank you that your your faithfulness is so great to us. God, we thank you that you reach down to us, that you walk with us, that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a moment to say good day to somebody around you. And while that is happening, I'll just talk to you, our online crew. It's great to have you with us here today. Um, if you're waiting for me to put links up, uh, you will have to wait until I step down and, because I'm obviously here at the moment. Um, we would love to see you guys uh, that are our online crew. We'd love to see you coming along to our worship session tonight. That would be fantastic. Alrighty, take a seat. It's only meant to be a minute. Welcome to church this morning. Um, you can continue those conversations that you've started over a cup of tea or coffee after the service. So take a right as you leave the worship centre and we will meet you in there for a cuppa. Um, while I'm talking to you, you can be filling out um, cards online if you're, like I said, I'm actually doing the online hosting today, so if you're waiting online, I'll do it in a minute. Um, we'll catch up. Clearly, we need more people on our online hosting team. Just putting that out there. Um, so hopefully, everybody in the building has checked in. If you are in the building, we need to know. You need to have done the QR code, and we also need to have you checked in um, on our system, our, our uh, what do you call it? Church Centre. Yeah, so make sure that you are registered. We need to know that you're here. For the online crew, again, if you could check in or chat, that would be fantastic. Um, we have a feeding room set up, so guys, check out. Um, if, <laughs> if you stand and look at the info desk, to the left of that, if you go up there, just, just there, there is a, a, little, a small room. It's all nice and warm and toasty. I've tested it today. Um, but if you need a bit of privacy uh, to be taking care of your baby, you can go in, into that room at any time during the service. Uh, we have a team night and members night coming up on the 1st of June. Um, all of the details for that are in your newsletter, uh, whether, whether you've got a paper copy or online. Um, so check that out, 7.30. We will be having a short members meeting um, to tick off uh, some of the things that we weren't able to tick off at the AGM because there weren't enough people. Um, so we do encourage you to come along if you're a member. It's, it's night time, but um, if you need a ride, if you don't like driving at night time, we'd love to help you get here. Just let us know. Um, but all, after that, we'll be also having a team night as well. So we'll be doing a little bit of upskilling, bit of training. Um, Brad will be sharing with us during that time. So pop that in your diary, June the 1st, 7.30, be here.
There'll also be an opportunity to uh, connect via Zoom. So all of that information um, has gone out already. So hopefully you've all uh, read that and can connect with that. Uh, tonight we're having a worship and prayer night. Whoop. How fun. How fun. Uh, this is kind of what we wanted to start with when we first started meeting back in purpose, uh, in person, on purpose. Um, but we wanted to start with a real, you know, praise and worship night. But this is the first sort of opportunity that we've had to actually organise that. Uh, so make sure you come along if you can. We would love everyone to be here. 7 p.m. Um, it's going to be a great time of gathering together as a, a family to worship. Um, it's a bit ecumenical as well, so we'll be having some other churches join with us, so it's just a really good time. I was just thinking, when was the last time we took time to just celebrate the relationship that we have with God and His salvation? Like We do that on a Sunday morning, but this is going to be an extended time of that, uh, where we just come together and celebrate that. And I've got a couple of quotes for you, hopefully to encourage you. C.S. Lewis says, in worship, God imparts Himself to us. Who doesn't want a bit of that tonight? A.W. Tozer says, to desire revival and at the same time to neglect prayer and devotion is to wish one way and walk another. Come along tonight. We're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to worship. So I just really encourage you to do that. So we've been in this season of Thy Kingdom Come. So this is day 11 for those that are playing along. Um, I'm still wearing <laughs> an annoying thing. Um, just to remind me to pray for my friends uh, and the people who don't know Jesus yet. So hopefully um, you've all been uh, praying along um, during this time. And now I sort of think the fun part starts because you've been praying for 11 days, but now you can actually do something for your friends. Do something that you wouldn't normally do. Invite them to something you wouldn't normally invite them to. Have them around for lunch, have them around for a coffee. Just, just do something a little bit unexpected because, you know, God will work through that um, because of uh, the way that you've been praying and holding them up um, in front of him. Also, it says in, uh, the Bible says in um, Chronicles, Second Chronicles, it says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth, seeking to bless those whose hearts are fully devoted to him. Hopefully that's you guys, like I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is. But, and I was thinking that there's lots of legit legitimate reasons why people won't be able to come out tonight. Um, and I'm not speaking to you guys, but everybody else where it's an actual straight choice whether you come or you don't. Coming tonight won't prove that you have a heart fully devoted to God. But if you have a heart fully devoted to God, I reckon you'll choose to come. Um, because this is just going to be a, a great time of joining together, praying and worshipping together as a family. So I really encourage you to come along tonight. So um, let's join together. I'll get you to stand as we pray. Uh, I should have said if you've got a cash offering, there is a box on the back wall there that you can pop that in on the way out. We've got lots of prayer needs in our church family at the moment. Um, I have at least three people uh, going for surgery this week, um, significant surgery. And uh, we have people having treatment for cancer, treatment for other things. Um, there are lots of prayer needs in our church family. And um, I was just remembering, um, there's a great song about the, uh, the God of angel armies. And I just, there's a great picture in, in scripture about that where um, Elisha is, is there and they have, the town appears to, well, it is surrounded by a great army. 
Um, and his servant is worried about that. And um, Elisha is the man of God, so he knows that there's nothing to worry about. Um, and he prays that his servant's eyes will be open so that he can see God's angel army, which is surrounding the other army that looks like it's a problem. But God's angel army is surrounding us. And as we pray, we can get a glimpse of that. We can get a glimpse of God's angel army. Um, and in that song, it says, I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. So let's just get a sense of that as we pray together this morning for our, our needs in our church family, for our community. And yeah, let's pray together. God, we thank you for today. We thank you um, for your amazing love for us, which makes everything else possible. God, we bring before you our church family and we hold them up before you. God, we know that you see them. We, we know that you know them and we know that you love them. You know everything about their situation. And God, we know that you go before them and you stand behind God, I thank you that you put us into this family where we can love and support one another, where we can celebrate together in the good times and hold one another up during the challenging times. And God, as we look at the week ahead, we know that your angel army surrounds us and it surrounds our precious ones as well. God, we know we have nothing to fear because you are with us. You are before us, you are behind us, and you are all around us. So God, I pray that we get a glimpse of that this morning and tonight. God, we pray for our community, the people that don't know you yet. And God, we thank you that it, it is our privilege to, uh, to hold those people up before you as well. And to connect with them with our lives and the way uh, that we do our ministries and for the way that we welcome people in your name. God, we thank you that you hear us, that you hear our prayers. And God, we thank you once again for how much you love us in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, church, let's, uh, let's give her a, a, a great round of applause for our God this morning. Now, sometimes we can just get caught up in the words and and the emotions, but we just have to sort of separate that for a second and we just acknowledge that God is the creator. He's the alpha, he's the omega, the beginning and the end. And he's the beginning of your journey and mine. And he'll be at the end of our journeys as well. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's just pause for a moment, just to reflect. Let's just bring it down just a little. As we can take a moment to just consider the God of your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And all these people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It's great to have you all with us at SBC this morning. If you're watching us online or wherever it is you are, a warm welcome to you guys. How are you all doing? Yeah? You're all looking good from what I can see with the 
light shining in my eyes. I got a little bit excited when they said there was a feeding room. I was getting thinking donuts, cakes. I was about to disappear and then it was, okay, I'd better not go there. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. So we'll start with this. Have you ever borrowed something from someone? And then, whether it be your fault or just bad luck, you've lost it, broken it. If you have, I want you to take a moment and think about that time. Can you still feel the, oh no, as it dawns on you, what you now have to do? I've had a few of those occasions, probably more than most. And most of the time, it's always been my fault, my carelessness, recklessness, frustration and anguish. Losing my temper, losing my control, smashing something only to realise it wasn't mine. The end result has always ended in apology, replacement of said item. And you know what? It's never a good time financially to break something, but it's never, ever been a good time for me. Because you go, oh no. Well, today's message is an element of this in it. But I just want to say that this is only a part of the much bigger picture. We're going back into the Old Testament. Who likes the Old Testament? I do. There's this saying I heard years back. It goes like this. The new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. I say that again. The new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. And I just love the truth in it because as we examine the Bible from any book, it all points to the commonality of Jesus Christ. And that is quite significant. Today we're going to take a reading out of the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Allow me to read that for you. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Behold now, the place before where we are living is too cramped for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let each of us take a beam and let us construct a place for, there for ourselves to live there. So he said, go. Then one of them said, please agree and go with your servants. And he said, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But it happened that as one of them was cutting down a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and he said, Oh, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. Then he said, Pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. Father, we just pray for your word this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask right now, that you would be in this place. We know you were here because your word says that, you, that where two or more are gathered, you are there. That you would illuminate your word this morning. That you would reveal things in our hearts, Lord. That you would dig deep into our lives. That we would be vulnerable before you. And that we would accept your word this morning. Amen. So this morning, we're going to navigate our way through this passage. I'll be giving you some observations. Some of them mine, actually. We'd probably go off on a tangent or two. Not quite sure yet. But then I'm going to give you a challenge and an opportunity. And I hope you're all up to it. 
So let's start. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Behold now, the place before you where we are living is too cramped for us. So it starts with an awareness of their current situation. This place is too cramped for us. Has a familiar ring to it, doesn't it? We find ourselves in this similar situation. We're currently investigating new building plans or extensions because, you know, the kids' areas are way too small. We've got too many people. Hallelujah, praise God, you know. That's the first observation. It means we are growing. God is adding to his flock. Isn't that what this is all about? Isn't that what church is about? To see God add to his flock? In this passage, Elisha's ministry was flourishing. So let's just go back a little bit. The two big guys of the time, Elijah and Elisha. Elijah, the big, bold man of God, challenging the prophets of Baal, yet running away from Jezebel. Shows a little bit of his humanity in all of this as well. And then he gets taken up to heaven in a whirlwind with chariots and flaming horses and all that symbology in there. And Elisha, the protege, he turns around and he says, can I have a double portion of your anointing? Wow, that's a big ask. Have you ever thought about asking for a double portion of something other than ice cream and things like that? But, you know, something significant, it comes with a cost. And here's Elisha, the man of God, and his ministry was flourishing. He had taken over from Elijah, and due to the work and miracles of God through Elisha, it had caused a great influx of prophets, or the students, I guess, in the school. And they were there for learning and wise counsel. So the witness of the miracles created a desire to, and I will borrow from Pastor Brad's message of last week, to imitate Part of the imitation process is to sit under good teaching and wise counsel. As one commentator writes, to learn of the glory of God. That's why we're here sometimes. There's other parts as to why we come to church, but it's to learn of the glory of God. And this is part of our values as a church. Truth seekers pursuing Jesus wherever he takes us. This is the journey that these sons of the prophets go on. Please let us go to the Jordan and let us each take from there a beam and let us construct a place there for ourselves to live there. So he said, go. Observation. I think it's a good thing that we approach a project with a how can we do this thing together rather than, well, Brad, you're the leader, sort it out. We've got this huge problem, but it's your job, you deal with it. We'll just be back over here, and when you've given us the answers, well, I guess we'll probably reluctantly move, or we'll do something. But that's what sometimes the attitudes we can have. They were willing to undertake the work themselves. They wanted and sought the approval of the authority figures, or the authority figure in this case. I remember well the construction of our current church. There were so many members of the congregation involved. 
any day that you'd come in here, there were people climbing up scaffolding safely to Breck. We all had helmets and all that sort of stuff on us. We high-vis. We did it. We did it properly. We were painting. We were electricing. We were carpentering. We were carpeting. We, were, we did it all. And some of us weren't experienced at it. But we had a go, and it was awesome fun. And I think, I think if you actually ask most people that were involved, it was the unity. It was the blessing out of the unity that we actually did something as a congregation together. Not a, let's pay the consultant to sort it out, let's do the this, let's do the that, let's be consumers, let's just sit back and let it all happen. And then we come in and go, cheers. No, I think God wants us to be involved in these projects. So Elisha said, go. The name Elisha means God is saviour. Comes from a couple of Hebrew elements, El meaning God, Yasha meaning help or saviour. And Elisha is seen throughout the Bible to be a type of Christ or a forerunner to Christ. If that is the case, one would expect that we would see elements of what Christ did in his miracles, also the words and his actions. So he would mimic, in a sense, the things that Jesus would eventually do. And it's not surprising then to see the first word uttered by him in this passage is go. Jesus nearly always tells us to go. His great commission, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. He sent them out two by two, go. In pairs, go, go. He wants us to go. He told them to wait once though. In Acts 1.4 he says, he gathered them together and he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for what the Father had promised. And this promise was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I think this is a guide for us as Christians in today's age. Sometimes we can want to go, go, go. But we sometimes have lack of discernment. We need the Holy Spirit to activate our lives. And if you want to talk about how that happens, that's another sermon, but we can do that another time. But we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to help fulfill God's calling in your life. So he said, go. These students at the school of the prophets were not builders. They're not carpenters. They saw a need, were willing to go, and Elisha tells them to go. Ready as they are, growing as they go. Empowered, as it were, God with them. That's us. Ready as we are, growing as we go, because God is to be with us. Then one of them said, please agree and go with your servants. And he said, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. How many of us in our workplaces like the boss around? <laughs> A snicker or two there, See, a lot of people I know prefer the absence of the leader. Well, are you, Brett? Brett, you used to be, oh, yeah, yeah, no. Without delving into the reasons of why people don't want their bosses about, it's important to know in this case that the sons of the prophets actively pursued Elisha's presence. Why? Was it because he's just a great guy? One of the boys? 
Maybe he was great with an axe. His intimate knowledge of mortise and tenon, tongue and groove and dovetail joints would have made the task ahead that much easier. But I doubt that very much. If I read correctly, a lot of the words of the prophets are sort of cutting and abrasive, straight to the point, might rub you up the wrong way. But here they are, wanting Elisha to be with them. I'd suggest to you it was because he was a man of God and their desire was to experience as much of what that entailed as possible. A living witness to God's glory. Oscar Wilde once said that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. The object here, of course, is to witness the man of God living life and hopefully a little bit of that rubbing off on them, a little bit of that rubbing off on us. That's what we want. And yet we have to also contend that there was a miracle to come. Elisha had to be there, but more about that shortly. And also notice that when they got to the Jordan, they started work. Their task was a significant one. They had important things to do. This was not a working holiday if it would have been me. Set up the campfire, put the tent up, put the billy on, whatever. Sit down. We can start this tomorrow. Let's go fishing. Yeah, and now we'll put that in perspective. But they got stuck in. It was important work that had to be done. But it happened that as one of them was cutting down a beam, the axe head fell into the water and he cried out and he said, Oh, my master, it was borrowed. I think it's time for a tangent. Some of you might be sitting here right now going, I know where this is going. Just a couple of months ago, I got up here and I shared a little bit about this verse. It was a testimony And you might be thinking that this story is all about he lost his axe head, he's not as sharp as he used to be and he needs to know where, what was he doing, where did he lose his edge, blah, blah, blah. And I just want to explain this and and, and I hope you, you stay with me because it's a bit confusing for me even sometimes. That was an aha moment for me and it may have impacted you guys as well. It may have been something that you go, yeah, I can identify with that. But it was my aha moment. It's not necessarily what the passage is all about. And there is nothing wrong with that because this word that we speak or that we preach or we teach from is God's living word. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and intentions of your heart. And we should expect, sorry, we should should expect, did I spit? We should expect that as we're reading his word, as we're spending time pondering life with God as part of that, that stuff jumps off a page or he injects himself into your you know, your thought process and says, whoa, or yes, or guides you from left to right or whatever. But we have to, it comes with a caution. You cannot now superimpose 
your aha moment onto someone else. You can't say that this passage is all about this because I'm telling you now, this, what I've just said is not what this passage is going to be about. And I just wanted to say, don't turn off because you think, oh, that's what Dave said, I got it. Because as a person who preaches the word from time to time, I've heard a lot of sermons and I go, da-da-da-da-da-da. And I'm not proud of this, but sometimes I go, I know where this is going. And a part of me shuts down, turns off. And I want to give you that caution to don't turn off because we might miss something that God has specifically for you. This living word. And we are told to rightly divide the word of God. That comes from 2 Timothy 2.15. To rightly divide. We've got to be able to explain this correctly. So I just wanted to put that out there before we move on. Because we're now moving on. No more tangents, I hope. So things are getting a little bit different now. And we need to understand that this is, a, this is what's happened here is significant in the cultural setting of the time. Firstly, iron was rare and was expensive. This was possibly maybe the only axe, maybe one or two axes, because not everybody could have them. And here they are, the poor school children, the sons of the prophets have borrowed stuff to do this task. Without it, the task of chopping down trees and building a new school, doomed to failure. Secondly, and maybe even more importantly, especially for the prophet, is that to lose something that was borrowed came with a significant cost. Under law, this student was now indebted to someone else until the cost was repaid. Now, going back to my introduction, take yourself back to that time and place where you felt bad for losing something or breaking something that you borrowed. It, it puts a different perspective on it. I just have to go down to the shop and buy another one for $100. This guy hasn't got $100. He's now basically indentured or as a slave or has to work for this person until he's earned enough money to repay the cost. And something I can go... Oh, no. Think about that. Put yourself in that situation. The law required restitution. And this is where the miracle happens. Then the man of God said, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. Now, again, thinking about Jesus and Elisha as a forerunner, it should come as no surprise that the miracle begins with a question. Blind Bartimaeus, what do you want? The woman with the issue of blood, who touched me? Elisha, where did it fall? The miracle starts with a question. And our question is part of the faith initiation process. We have to ask God questions. And our question initiates faith. And it's the faith to believe for the impossible. Notice that the prophet or the student knew where the axe head went. He wasn't swinging the axe with no regard to his surrounds. The head flew off and he saw where it sank. He points out the place to Elisha. And then Elisha does what prophets do, strange and silly things. He cuts off a stick or a branch, throws it in the Jordan at the place indicated, and the iron floats. 
This makes no sense in the natural realm, none. There are no magnetic properties in wood, at least that I'm aware of, that would cause iron to float. It's not like he made this fishing rod with a hook and cast it over the spot and sort of rolled it in and there you go. No. See, this miracle, like all of God's miracles, is to show his power. His power over time, nature, life itself. Yet it is also linked with his compassion to people. The two are inseparable. Elisha is also aware that this student could not repay. Is it not surprising then that he was compassionate for the welfare of the student? Jesus is compassionate over your welfare. And he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. We are involved in the miracle. Jesus says, take up your mat and walk. He says, your faith has healed you. Even Lazarus had to walk out of the tomb, still dressed in his burial clothes. He was involved in the miracle. These things don't just happen without us being involved in them. And there, that's the story of the axe head. But is that all there is? What is really going on? Glenn. You weren't looking. <laughs> so I want, to just, I want us now to take a look at this miracle with our spiritual eyes. Because... This book is a spiritual book. We're spiritual people, and the words are spiritual. The miracle of the floating axe head has a far deeper meaning the implication, and implication than the restoration of an iron axe head to the borrower and his subsequent restitution from a physical debt. So remember, the new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. Did Elisha really want to go? He was a busy man, tasked to do. I'm sure he had a diary. I'm sure he had meetings. I'm sure he had a whole bunch of other stuff that he wanted to do. I'm busy. I'm the leader. Besides, it's only chopping trees. Was he compelled to go by his prophetic gift? Did he see something? Did he foresee that there was a need where he may needed to be needed? may have needed to be needed. People that are in... We're all, as Christians, I believe we're all leaders or should be all working towards it. And you're going to have people around you that are going to ask you, come with me. Let's be spiritual. Do we need to go? But I've got my agenda. I'm playing golf tomorrow. No, no. Maybe they may need me. Maybe, maybe there's an opportunity for me to input here. Maybe I can guide. Maybe I can share something of my life. Spiritual. Did he see something that God was showing him? 
I need to be there. Let's look at the Jordan River. It's a deeply spiritual place throughout Scripture. Since all of biblical times, it's been imbued or associated with powerful symbolic meanings. It is a boundary. It's a crossing point. It's a metaphor for spiritual rebirth and salvation. This was the crossing into the promised land. Jesus was baptised in the Jordan River. The axe is a tool of judgment. And now the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bring forth good fruit is chopped down and cast into the fire. Spiritual implications are at play in our Bible. The head of the axe that is lost in the Jordan River is indicative of our condition without Christ. Lost in the miry clay, weighed down by our sins and facing the judgment of God. The wood. From the time of Moses, wood is important. Probably even before that. It's always been important, but spiritually... Moses' staff or Aaron's rod was empowered by God for signs and wonders. It was used in parting the Red Sea. It was used for providing life-giving water from rocks. It was used for crossing the Jordan River. Yet its most significant use was bearing the cross, uh, sorry, was bearing the body of our Saviour. That he need to be nailed to a tree to come through the waters of death to ultimately pay our debts. So here's the reality of the story. There is nothing man-made that can be used to restore our relationship with God. Nothing. There is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. And without a miracle, we would be left to perish, as it were, in the Jordan River. But fortunately for us, we can access that miracle. And I mentioned earlier, opportunity and a challenge. And I want to give that now. Because we've prayed the Holy Spirit was going to be here today. And I prayed that he's empowered this message. These words are just my words, but that he empowers them. And he speaks to us as individuals. And I believe we're all here this morning believing for a miracle or we should be. There should be no passengers in this at all. We should all be. Why do we pray for something that we know the answer to? We shouldn't be because that's not prayer. That's not faith. Maybe it's a confirmation. But really we should be praying for the impossible. Because we can't do it in our own strength. One of the values of our church is praying people, believing for the impossible. That sounds like miracles to me. Elijah is recorded had 14 miracles. Elisha, guess what? He asked for a double portion. There were 28. And I want to tell you this morning that there's no limit on Jesus. None. There's no limit on his miracles. You can have one today, one tomorrow. I guess. Because there's no limit. So I wanted to give you an opportunity this morning. I'm not sure where this is going to go, but I'm just going to feel led here because I believe there are probably people here this morning that don't even know why you're here. 
got out of bed this morning not wanting to come to church. Been there? You've come to church this morning thinking, I'm wrestling with stuff that's far too deep. I'm grappling with this. I don't know the answer. I'm struggling. I don't even know why I'm bothering. I've been there. I think most of us have been there. And I've got to say that you're in a great place if that's where you are this morning. A great place. If you're looking at this story, your axe head's in the bottom of the Jordan River. God can do a miracle. Some of you here are struggling financially, relationally, physically. God can do a miracle. Some of you are praying for people, your friends, families. God can do a miracle. So if you're praying for a miracle right now, I'd like you to stand, please. Worship team, come up. I'd like you to stand. I don't care. Please don't care what anybody else is not doing or doing. This is your moment, your miracle. And I'll be clear. I don't think that God puts stuff in His Word just to go, I fooled you. <laughs> look, look, I got them all to stand on a Sunday morning. Uh, how good am I? No, he puts his stuff in because it's truth. We have to believe it. We have to hold on to it. We have to grasp it. And we have to cry out for it. Maybe sometimes we have to fast for it. Maybe sometimes we have to get counsel with it. Sometimes we've got to be careful that we don't take a scripture out of a context and try to apply it. But ultimately, we've got to believe in God. So let's close our eyes as the music team starts to play. And use this moment to cry out to God. It doesn't have to be a loud cry out to God. It's a heart cry. And then we'll close in prayer in a a minute or so. Church, this is time where we just now cry out to God. Let's just let him know where we're at right now. Father, we just acknowledge your presence in this place. Lord, we know that you are the Lord of all. Lord, that you want to work in our lives, Father God. And Lord, we just lay these things down. We lay them, Lord, and we pick up the things that you will have us take away. Father, we just lift up people that we pray for, the miracles that we need to see in the lives of people. We ask for these things now in the mighty name of Jesus. The mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you.